0: Another episode of In the Clinch here. Uh, I am your co host or your oh, there we go. I'm your host, John Cox, with my co-host as always, the International Man of Mystery, Theo Lander. So head of the people, Theo.
1: Good to be back, John. Coming at yeah. you live from the last couple weeks of the semester. We're uh, Getting busy now. Getting ready for finals and uh yeah, busy, busy times. You junior? Uh senior.
0: Oh shit.
1: So this isn't second to last semester if everything goes according to plan, but yeah it's uh we're coming down to the end of it it's the the two weeks between thanksgiving break and christmas break are just the worst but yeah. um in the middle of all that john breaking oh. news today breaking news I, <laughs> I got my credential accepted for bellator this weekend so i'm having a jorge maz at all bmf moment i'm taking this on short notice and uh going down to connecticut on friday i'm gonna cover that for severe mma so be on the lookout for that and if okay. you want some context on that event you can check out my article that i posted on severema.com yesterday that's uh giving you like the lineup basically of that card so yeah go check that out
0: that's awesome congratulations um thank you you are the bmf of amateur sports journalism. <laughs> <awesome. laughs> as far as i'm concerned all uh, right definitely on this podcast for sure you're definitely the best on this podcast at getting
1: no oh, thank you thank you <laughs> it's a high honor
0: yeah um cool so i mean this weekend was just chock full of things to talk about i mean uh, we don't even know where to start here um of course this isn't uh an informational program so i shouldn't be uh sarcastic i'm completely lying there's nothing to talk about on this podcast so we're going to preview the main event here we do have a really good main event coming up as well as a co-main event and a fight before that so we'll take a look at that real quick we have Jose Aldo Jr. facing off against Rob Fawn at Bantamweight. This is going to be December 4th, so this weekend. I believe it's from the UFC Apex Center. It doesn't say Correct. here, but I, if I remember right, yeah. And yeah. then the lightweight co-main event, Brad Riddell versus Rafael Fizio. That's a very good fight. I'm super excited for that one. And, of course, you know my guy Jimmy Crude in light heavyweight facing off against Jamal Hill, Hammer Crew. Hammer him. Uh, looks like we have some other cards, or these might have been here already. Walter Waite, Jake Matthews versus Jeremiah Wells, and then Mano Capay versus so, – oh, my God. Holges, I'm going to say Halgas. I'm assuming the Z is silent. Halgas Humagolov? I don't know. At flyweight. Love the little guys. Um, So this isn't a completed card so far, it seems. They're, they're still adding fights throughout the week. Uh, but, I mean – Let's talk about this main event, dude. Rob Font versus a uh, resurging Jose Aldo Jr. at bantamweight. This is super exciting. Uh, we're watching Jose Aldo slowly crawl and like, climb his way up the rankings here at bantamweight. Um, it seems to have been working. It's working pretty well for him so far. Switching the weight class. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts on it, but my thoughts first off are that, I mean, this is definitely not going to be a boring fight.
1: Some good thoughts you got right there, John, because I don't think it will be either. Um, I feel like the main, my main takeaway from Aldo's last fight was that his boxing was so much better, man. He'd been training with the, the Marine Corps Boxing Group over there in Brazil. Um, he really refined that game. and He really showed it in his last fight, which is important because Rob Font himself is an excellent boxer. He trains with the likes of Calvin Cater out of the New England cartel. So we know that his stand-up is legit as well. Local um, kid. Local, local- kid kid local kid um so this fight's gonna be insane man i think they both got the gas tank to go five rounds which is something you're looking for in a main event and on top of that they're both extremely durable um i don't think either guy has a reputation of being chinny whatsoever so this is a huge fight and also in the context of the bantamweight division we've got uh Aljamain sterling defending against pyotr young coming up eventually yep. that fight hasn't been officially scheduled uh, but we've also got TJ Dillashaw up at the top, who's still re- uh, recovering from injury. Of course, Corey Hagan just fell to both Dillashaw and Yon recently. But I mean, you'd got to think one of those uh, four guys I just mentioned is next up for Aldo or Font, considering they win this um, main event here. Yeah. But man, the line is long to get to the bantamweight title, and um, this would be a huge step for either Aldo or Font.
0: Yeah, that's th- that. Actually, is something that's coming to mind. It's uh, cool that you mentioned that because these guys have both grinded so long to get to where they are right now. And this is a massive opportunity for both of them. Um, I'm curious just to see, there's a lot of what ifs going into it. Like what if Jose, although loses, is he done? Is he going to stick around? Is he going to keep fighting? Um, what if Rob font loses? Is he going to drop in the rankings? Is he going to get another shot at a top 10 guy real quick? Um, like you said, this is a long line to get to the top of Bantamweight. And we've got guys like Marab, we've got Cody Garber in the mix now, Pedro Munoz, Marlon Moraes, Dominic Cruz even. I mean, there's a lot of guys chomping at the bit. Rafael, Rafael Sancho guys just, just want this fight. Chido Vera, of course, we just saw him get a spectacular win. Uh, win. It, it, there's a long list of guys that just seem to be like almost like an assembly line. It's just moving up, moving up, moving up. And guys keep challenging. Um, Corey Sanhagen too. Like, he's such an interesting, like, uh, what's going on there? Because he's still ranked number three right now. So it's like, I can't imagine he's going to drop too far unless he comes out. Like, I, I, he's so good, man. It's so hard for me to, like, wrap my brain around him getting um, not beaten, like, not destroyed. I don't want to say that because he didn't really get destroyed. But, like... Like every time I see him, I'm like, "How do you not bet on Corey Sandhagen?" And I guess the only person you would bet against is Poirier, or bet against him facing would be Poirier. On, um, oh, I, dude, I totally forgot about T.J. Dillashaw too. So, bantamweight is stacked right now. I mean, it's stacked, stacked, stacked. So it's kind of go win, uh, winner or go home, for both of these guys. For really anybody in the top ten at bantamweight right now, you got to keep winning. You got to keep a streak going. Um, and back to what you said about the boxing, I thought Jose Aldo's hand speed was fucking incredible in his last fight. I couldn't believe how fast his hands still were for how old, or I don't see, he's not that old, but, uh, for this late in his career, for how long he's been fighting. I mean, dude, he was lightning quick. I was shocked about that. So I don't really know if I have a prediction quite yet. I I think I, I want to give Rob font slight edge, but I, I don't know, man. I mean, Jose's looks so good in this weight class.
1: The main thing I'm thinking about for this fight is that I'm thinking back to Rob Font's last fight against Cody Garbrandt. And it felt like, you know, a lot of people were kind of saying that Cody didn't look like himself and, you know, it, he wasn't really at a hundred percent, but I truly believe that Rob Font was just able to shut down Cody Garbrandt, you know, essentially at every avenue that he tried to go down. Um, you know, I think Cody Garbrandt shot for his first takedown ever in the UFC in that fight. And that just goes to show you like, how poorly the standup was going for him because Rob font's able to control that area really well, but against a seasoned striker, like Jose Aldo, I don't know. I don't know if he'll be able to pull off that same sort of feet. Also, Aldo doesn't really fight the same as Garbrandt, whereas Aldo is more um, content to stay on the back foot and, you know, act more as a counter striker than Garbrandt would be, which does not play well into Rob font's hands. Um, Yeah. The the, uh, experience factor goes to Aldo as well. Um, but that being said, Rob Fonts is an extremely dangerous fighter. Um, he's young. He's fast as well. He's underratedly fast, especially in this division. And I think it's going to be a great matchup. And I honestly, I'm in the same boat. I really can't say a prediction right off the top of my head right now because I think it's a really, really razor thing, close fight that goes to the decision. But nonetheless, an exciting fight. And I think maybe Aldo. I, I, just, I just think that Aldo might have a mm. bit more. He might have some more tools than Rob Font does. I think he's more diverse of a striker than Rob Font. Um, but, you know, it remains to be seen. I guess we're going to find out this weekend.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's totally fair. It, 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 this fight can go either way, really. Yeah. And Jose Aldo's also been in a lot more, like, NASA fights. Uh, what does he have? What do we, eight title defenses? Or something along the lines of that? Nine. Right? Or nine? nine, yeah. I think. So it's like, you have that experience already at a super high level. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He's been in a lot more high-tension fights and stuff like that. This is obviously a huge fight. This is the biggest fight of Rob Font's career thus far. So, not that Rob Font isn't a significant challenge, but, I mean, this isn't even close to the biggest fight of Jose Aldo's career. You know what I'm saying? Not that he should be taken uh, lightly. He definitely, obviously, is going to prepare and everything like that. But I think maybe the edge could be given to Jose there of, like, he's been here before. Rob Font hasn't been here before, really. Um but then again, you have Rob Font, who's younger. Um, he's on a tear right now. This is a new weight class for Jose. Uh, I, I don't know, man. It's a very interesting fight. I, I'm super fucking excited for it. Um, and I'm just hoping I, I'll be in New York on Saturday. So hopefully I get to see. I mean, I'll watch on my phone in wherever I am at this point. But like, I, I, I'll be in a hotel. Want to have some bullshit, Theo? So Yes. I was at my buddy's wedding two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, somewhere along there.
1: Oh, are you talking about the PS4 thing?
0: Yeah, so we go to the fucking yeah. hotel, we bring a PlayStation so we can watch the fights, and the fucking TVs are, like, manufactured so that you can't plug shit into them. No way. Because they want you, they don't want you to bring your own entertainment, they want you to buy it off the TV. So, like, you can't bring, it, it's fucking garbage. So, we're, like, trying to figure it out. Apparently, you can, like, hack into it and, like, disable it somehow i don't know, I wasn't gonna do that but right so then we all ended up having to watch it individually on our phones and then sync up the times and then one person like had the volume all the way up and that's how we ended up watching the fights but uh-huh. i mean
1: it, that's a great story it's so great that you know we had to tell it on the podcast for the second time now did, no. did we already tell that <laughs> yeah <he> t- you, <laughs> told, you just told us said like no well i you seemed really excited i want to let you keep going
0: i didn't know i explained that i thought i explained it like po- pre-podcast to you
1: Oh no, yeah, we were know, on the, you've heard that. Of the toys. Fuck it. <laughs> Nonetheless,
0: I'm going to see this fight. I, I the, and like I barely got to see the fights last weekend. So now I want to see them this I mean my point being is I will watch these fights cuz I'm very excited for these fights. And anyone listening should be very excited for this fight as well.
1: As well as the commentary. But will you watch Bellator the night before? No. Okay.
0: I might, honestly. I don't know. It's working. If you have, uh, no, if you have
1: Showtime, if, it's not pay-per-view. If you have Showtime, it's free. I'll be so. working, so
0: uh, I might try to catch it. But. All right. That's I
1: don't fine. even have
0: cable, so.
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone has cable anymore, honestly.
0: I Showtime it's is honest on, like, it's on
1: the Showtime app anyways. Oh, I didn't know that existed. Yeah, well, now you know.
0: It's like you cancel cable, but then you have 19 subscriptions, so it's like the same price as having cable.
1: Yeah, they, they figured out a way you to, like, get to just the way. Lo-
0: like as a society, we just loop around and bite our own tail. <laughs>
1: yeah, for, for a couple of years we figured it out, but then yeah. they you uh, they yeah. So it's yeah. It is what, it is. It is what it is.
0: Um fuck there's really not much going on in the MMA world, but um we do have the new segment. We can go right to it if you want, deal. We usually get some good uh conversation out of this.
1: Well, you know us so we can get some good conversation out of real quick. Oh yes, I know exactly what you're But Neil Dariush is going to take on Islam Mahachev in what is allegedly a number one contender fight. Um, Five-round fight main event. That's an excellent fight. And also, I love this fight for many reasons, but mainly I'm of the notion that Justin Gaethje deserves the next shot of the title. I am also of the notion that Islam Mahachev is nearly, if not exactly, evenly deserving of a title shot next. So... What works is Justin Gage can go first, no matter if it's Dustin Poirier or Oliveira. Um, he'll have the next shot. And then after this, Islam will get the shot after him, assuming he beats Benil Ryush. If not, Benil gets a shot. That's fine. Yeah, but yeah. the reason that it works out for timing is that Islam Mahachev, if he wins, is going to have to go through um, Ramadan, which right. begins in April, I believe. So the timing... Yeah. Works out so he would have a title shot in the fall. So this fight is just—it's—it's it's perfect. It's perfect.
0: Let's not jump the gun here and just say, assume that Benil is going to lose this fight, man. I think uh, Benil um, Dariush is not to be fucked with.
1: I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if Islam Mahachev wins, which a lot of people are favoring him, insert, it works insert the time. fucking
0: Eddie Bravo gif right here. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I'm just, <laughs> just saying. saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, Look into it.
1: But Neil, that's a great point, though, because I did want to talk about that. But Neil yeah, Definitely. over the last couple of years, has refined the weaker parts of his games really, yeah, really he's, well. It's unbelievable. He's, he's become so much more of a better, well rounded fighter. And on top of that, he can take a really good shot, he can take some really good punishment. And I think that's something that you're going to need to to be able to deal with if you're going against a guy like Islam Mahachev. Because think about if you're getting grinded against the ground for maybe a couple rounds in a row, because that's what these digesting wrestlers tend to be able to do to people. You know, you're going to have to have that mental fortitude and that physical toughness to be able to get through that and have some success later in the fight. Um, I think Benil Darius is going to have to have his A game on for cardio because I don't think that he's going to be able to take this fight early. But man, I think this is an extremely good test for Islam Mahachev because if you're an Islam Mahachev hater, the one gripe you have on him is that he hasn't faced the absolute top competition, all aside from Dan Hooker on short notice. But Benil Dariush is a great fight to show the benchmark of where Islam Mahachev is compared to the rest of his lightweight division. And it's a test that he's um that he's feeling that he's up for. And also, I don't know if you caught this, but Habib revealed in an interview that. Um, Dana White is incentivizing Islam Mahachev to get a finish in this fight. Aside from the post fight bonus, aside from the post fight bonus, so the post fight bonus is $50,000, right? Right. If allegedly, so I don't know, I tend to believe Habib on this, but just to be safe, this is alleged. If Islam Mahachev is able to finish Benil Dariush, he will earn a $100,000 bonus.
0: Whoa, why is that? the fuck is that i don't know what's this is mafioso fucking hit he's got on a
1: so <laughs> you're not he's not a mafioso he's a fight promoter but the thing is well okay but like what's in it for Benil then
0: because you can't do that you can't give be like if you finish this guy you get a hundred thousand and then if the other guy wins and he gets what he gets
1: i don't know i don't know if Benil might be another, another tesla I'm not, I'm not sure maybe maybe i think danaway probably has connections and um yeah. You know, the boy. What's his name? Elon? Yeah. Um, (laughs) The boy. (laughs) But anyways, I think that's very telling because in my opinion, Dana's probably looking at this saying, okay, if Islam is just not able to finish Benio and he lays on him for five rounds in a style that's not friendly to casuals, although we have no problem with, um, he's probably not going to have a lot of hype going into a title shot, which isn't what you want. Right. He's trying to incentivize Islam to go for it to get the finish um which honestly even through that logic i don't understand why you would have to incentivize him to do that because right. he's gotten finishes before in in his most recent fights like he's gotten finishes so it doesn't make Huber that much like sense to me
0: 20 seconds
1: yeah exactly but um i don't know maybe there's they're saying there's a potential for there not to be a finish in this fight so they want to incentivize him i don't know why they did it but i don't know i don't um, i think that that's kind of crazy it's an interesting in the, uh, wrinkle in the story, though, right? Like, it's, right, it yes, adds a right. lot of depth <clears> to it.
0: <throat> I've never heard of anything like this in the UFC, at least. Yeah. Not but that I can it reminds remember, me like, of, one um... guy getting paid more than the other guy for offense or something. like that. That's very odd to me. I don't know why he would – well, well, maybe Khabib wasn't supposed to say that or something. I don't know.
1: But... I don't know. I don't I don't know if Habib is – I don't know why Habib would just make that up, though, you know? Like I, no, I, don't, I, think he, no, I don't think no, I'm
0: not saying he's making it up. I think maybe he was supposed to be, like, keep that under wraps.
1: Right. Wink, wink. But you know, I also feel like could is probably like, what are they going to do? Cut me? Like the USC? Right, right, <laughs> the right, USC right. will do anything to get him back at this point, so we can kind of right. do no wrong. Um, yeah, but that's just that's a great fight, honestly. I'm super excited it's for that. Fight. It's a huge test for Islam, and honestly, if Benil wins, huge test for ben- Benil. I think if Benil wins, dude, like the world is his oyster. Honestly, he like, is that's the darkest
0: of dark horses.
1: He is the darkest of dark horses. I mean, this guy does not get the appreciation he deserves. No, not at all. Um. This is interesting because now I think back to UFC 268. I asked Dana if there would be a backup fighter for the lightweight title fight um, in December, which is, I want to say next month, but it's really like in a couple of weeks. Um, and he said there would be a backup fighter. And he hinted that it might be Benil. But now that Benil is fighting Islam, Hooker's not going to be available. Conor's obviously not available. And then it's Gotta Dustin, Oliveira, Gaethje, and Chandler are not available. So who is it? Ooh. Is it RDA? Who's the RDA? RDA makes a lot of sense. RDA was also the backup fighter for UFC 264 in Las Vegas. So yeah,
0: that makes sense to me. Yeah. That's Conor McGregor.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> or Gregor Gillespie. I'm looking here at the top 10. Yeah. Diego Ferreira. Brad Adele's fighting, so it won't be him. Like, I think there's...
0: RDA makes the most sense of all. Like yeah.
1: But like RDA hasn't fought since. Like, so is he going to weigh in as a backup fighter twice yeah. and not fight in 2021? Like,
0: I mean, if you don't have a fight for him, then uh, you don't have a fight for him. But, you know, I don't
1: know. Yeah, it is what it is. I think it's just an interesting wrinkle.
0: Well, question that you might have the answer to, I'm not even sure. Let's say someone misses weight. You have a backup fighter. Oh, this happened
1: in New York.
0: Wait. uh, Okay. You have a – Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Someone, Someone misses weight. You have a backup fighter. But those two still want to fight. Can't they just agree to fight? the guy who made weight if one of them makes weight
1: um so usually right? you'd reserve a, a backup fighter for a title fight so um the problem is so like say, more injury, right Right. so okay. you want to the, the idea is they want to preserve someone making the championship weight so that the fight can continue for the belt so if one fighter misses weight um, say like say kamaru made weight but Colby missed it right yep. if vicente Luque, who was the backup fighter at 268 made championship weight yep. there would be no discussion there would be no oh we'll fight at a catchweight Colby. that's fine they're keeping the title on the line no matter what and the right. backup fighter would slide in but the reason i jumped the gun there and i almost interrupted you is because vicente Luque actually missed weight um hey. as a backup fighter which was very very unique and i don't remember a time that ever happened um didn't end didn't up mattering, so that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what would happen. Well, clearly you don't follow my coverage because I was talking about it, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I'm,
0: not, I'm not much of a reader, I'm going to be honest. Yeah,
1: it's okay. But, um, I, I, yeah, but I,
0: retweet it. I retweet it every time.
1: That's cool. That's cool. So, yeah, the, there's some weird stuff going on with the backup fighters, but in that scenario, no, they would just have the backup fighter slide in and keep the title on the line. Right. Oh, wow. Has right. anyone
0: ever won as the backup fighter?
1: I don't think so. No.
0: I, I can't even think of a scenario where they fought, but yeah. I'm, I'm I, trying to remember back. I don't, I don't know. I, I remember, think this is
1: more so of a new practice. Yeah, because I remember hearing right about and... Michael
0: Chandler being the backup for, for Habib. Ricci, Gucci, Habib yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was the first time I'd heard of that, but that might have just been me not paying attention. Uh but I was like a backup fighter. Like, what the fuck? Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's interesting. That yeah, but that fight, dude, that is a fucking I am so excited for that fight, man. That I'm so I love watching video fight. And the way I'm looking at it is like I want Justin to get the next title shot, which I think we all in pretty much agreeance that that's gonna happen. Um, because it's like, dude, you look at Islam and you're like, God damn it, dude. It's gonna be another fucking Dagestani champ for like six years because there's no one that can still no one has figured out how to beat this sambo wrestling style that these Dagestani's fucking bring to the ufc and it's all credit to islam because it's like you can say it's boring you can say you don't like it personally i'm not like i don't wanna say i don't like it because i can respect how much skill he has it's like obviously you want to see the guys who are going for knockouts or fucking dars chokes and all this crazy shit um mm-hmm. I, I'm not a huge fan of like the hold him down, ma- like when Khabib was doing it, it was different because people don't talk enough about Khabib's ground and pound and how fucking vicious it was. And how he, like, when people say, oh, he's mauling someone, dude, he was mauling people. Like the ground yeah. and pound versus Connor, the ground and pound versus Michael Johnson. Um, I, I, there's a countless other examples, but like people don't talk about how vicious his ground and pound was, which was exciting to see. Where you're like, holy fuck, man. Like, if you want to compare it, Next time you watch an event, just look at when people go to the position of like standing over someone who's on their back. And a lot of times you see the up kicks coming and stuff like that and guys are kind of backing away. And Khabib would just fucking go right through it and just keep oh, yeah. hammering and keep hammering. That was incredible. Um, but the wrestling, like the five rounds of just like holding them down and like not really doing anything, just kind of torturing them. Like I'm like, I, it's like, I can, like, like it's exciting because it's incredibly skilled, but it's like it was just like fuck man I wish someone would figure out like a a way to get through this or something like that or like some sort of counter make these guys do something different because it seems like every time they fight Islam um Zabit's obviously different because he's lankier in different weight class but Khabib it's like you know what's going to happen as soon as the fight goes to the mat the, the fight's over there's no there is no like I think maybe what Justin Poirier maybe was the only time we ever saw could be really in trouble in the octagon. Yeah. Uh,
1: or not. With, Aside uh, from the uh, Gleason Tebow fight, but yeah, that was singular moment with the guillotine. Right. right.
0: So it's like, you know, as soon as the fucking fight goes down, you're like, okay. I was watching Dan Hooker versus Islam and I was like, right when he took him down, I was watching I was going, oh, all right, word. And the fucking fight's over 20 seconds later. Which, credit, like I said, credit to him. It's not his fault that he's this good, but... I want to see someone else get a shot at being champion before Islam inevitably, most likely, takes over. Uh, I, I think that there's a good
1: point. counter to that. The Dagestanian wrestling is like we don't have that many guys in the UFC who are genuinely dangerous off of their back. Like there's there's a couple of really good submission guys, some guys who throw Alexi like really good. Is the only one I can think. They, yeah, like they throw really good elbows on the bottom. They're mm. always threatening with jujitsu and submissions. But no one's truly, truly dangerous to where a wrestler would never enter their guard. Um, right, right. I think right. we're going to see the evolution of people learning how to be more offensive and dangerous off of their back in order to get over this this hump of the Dagestani wrestlers who, who just have mastered that area of the fight so well. And honestly, all credit to them. I remember the first time that I watched, um, I don't even think it was Habib. I think it was somebody else from that area. I can't remember who it was, but I was just... I was kind of confused at how they were doing everything so flawlessly. And then you see the small intricacies of how, as soon as they get taken down, they wrap the legs up with their own, they cross them. So it's impossible to get up and like the small things like the Dagestani handcuff that yeah, they the do controls, like, like, when, when you, when you start watching after a while, you're like, wow, the fact that they're able to go through all these steps, like it's like secondhand nature to them is it's incredible to watch. And I honestly, I can understand from a, a viewpoint of someone who doesn't understand what's happening. And even I, myself, struggle to fully comprehend that because I've never, like, rolled or done jiu-jitsu or wrestling before. But it's it's something – when you know what to look out for, it's something to behold, man. It's it's really yeah. it's really art.
0: It's – honestly, like, I think, like, when I was training, it's like I didn't – like, I, I didn't mind sparring. I enjoyed it sort of. It's just, like, it sucks being dizzy after and, like, your head hurts because, obviously – but it is fun. It's a good workout. Um, <clears throat> But, like, jiu-jitsu is – so much fun like i yeah absolutely suck at jujitsu i like like i knew how to do an arm bar uh rear naked choke and that's about it and i really didn't know how to get to those positions i was just like if i find myself on someone's back i know how to do this that's really it um but i was getting tapped out by like 10 and 11 year olds multiple times when we rolled like it was like and i was like this isn't and i wasn't like god damn it like these i'm like this is fucking crazy like these kids are so good um but like rolling with someone who's like a there's like two or three black belts in our gym. True, like, bona fide black belts that were really good. Um, and it's just, like, a crazy, like, like, I I suppose black belt's up for interpretation really based on your coach and your gym and stuff like that. But, like, most places don't just give them away. <laughs> um, but, like, rolling with the guy who's that good and just, like, knows exactly what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go right away, and then all of a sudden it's, like, they're all over you and then on your back and then you're fucking asleep all of a sudden, like. To see how good those people are, and then just to see like someone like Khabib or Islam just not care and still dominate on the ground and stuff like that, it's fucking incredible. It's it's like, it's unbelievable. It's, it comes down to like the work ethic and the new practices and stuff like that. You brought the Dagestani handcuff. It's like, we hadn't seen that until Khabib got into the UFC. Like dominant wrist control from the back. It's like just a weird thing. I don't know.
1: Yeah. The, the Dagestani handcuff specifically is very similar to um, something that, I forget what it's called, but it comes from American Greco wrestling, but it's just a very different variation of it. Mm. Um, and these guys, like they just understand the transition between positions. So well. they understand how to distribute their body weight to the point where they're putting pressure on you with the worst possible spot, so You can't get up and it feels like you're suffocating. Like, I think if you, if you really pay attention and try to really appreciate what's going on, it's, it's something that, you know, it's hard to compare to anything else. And yeah, um, yeah I, I think really the answer to it is really aggressive ground uh, or bottom game excuse me and having a very solid background in grappling but again these guys just have such an advantage over everyone because they've been doing this since they were young the same sambo uh background of wrestling so they've just become masters at this point and they've all trained together so they've all made each other better they've all elevated their own team so yeah man it's it's a dagestani takeover for sure in the ufc and there's almost one in every division now so you know someone's gonna have to figure it out
0: right um I think – I don't know. It just makes me nervous because I'm like, Benil is so good, but like I, how do you stop Islam? Like I'm trying to think of like people that – have like the only person who ever had one of these guys in trouble is Dustin, and he had Khabib's back, and Khabib still got out of it. And I'm trying to think like no one ever really had Khabib in any trouble. And he's the only example we have of like – what islam could be because everyone's calling him like the next khabib and the mini khabib and all this shit right. um and i suppose the argument is that he hasn't really faced anybody that super talented yet uh i think day i don't even really want to count the dan hooker fight as anything it's kind of a wash in my book it was more of a payday for dan hooker uh than taking advantage of an opportunity but i don't know it's like i just even discussing it like you want to talk about a jiu-jitsu guy you like oh you can counter it with better jujitsu or jujitsu of itself a boxer you can counter it with like grappling or whatever the fuck it is but i'm like i don't there is nothing to counter sambo yet like i, don't, I really don't know what it's gonna be
1: yeah man it's it's one of those weird things that a lot of people have been trying to figure out for a long right. time but it just there's no obvious answer to it, it it's going to take a lot of trial and error seeing different fights play with the, <laughs> with that style but yeah, man. The, I think honestly, it's safe to say the best background for MMA at this point is wrestling, and specifically the sambo background that a lot of these guys from Dagestan have. Yeah. Uh,
0: you want to move on to the fantasy fight now?
1: I would like to move on, and I have All quite, right. I have quite the doozy for you today. Oh, I'm really excited. Here we go. Uh, f- we should get. We gotta come up
0: with some fucking like. Bitty, bitty, bitty. Like intro, to yeah, we transition <laughs> music, yeah, yeah. I
1: don't um, know if that's above our budget or not, but you know, it's we'll, we'll figure more it out.
0: out of our expertise range. But yeah, um, yeah also
1: yes. In the red corner for this fight,
0: you okay. will see
1: him headline UFC 270 in January when he takes on Cyril Gaun. It is the current heavyweight champion of the world, uh, yeah. Francis Ngannou. Yes, sir. And in the blue corner, he will be taking on who is maybe considered the greatest. Mixed martial artist, heavyweight of all time, Fedor, Emelianenko, in their primes. This is not going to be pride rules. They're going to compete in the UFC in the octagon. John, what are your thoughts? <sighs> this is tough.
0: Cyril Gon versus uh, Fedor? Is this the matchup, As I said? No,
1: Ngannou, Ngannou versus Fedor.
0: versus, okay. Oh, fuck you. Um... Wow. Not Pride Rules?
1: Not Pride Rules. UFC Cage. UFC,
0: okay. UFC Cage? No. Yes.
1: But
0: it's not Pride Rules?
1: Not Pride. No, it's UFC Cage, UFC Rules, but this is the Fedor from Prime. From Pride.
0: Right. In his Prime, from Prime. Yes.
1: Oh, boy. That is...
0: See, I want to sit here and say that it'd be like a great fight. I think it would be a quick fight, though.
1: Oh, I think no. someone
0: gets fucking destroyed. I mean, like, I, I don't know. I think it, I just – I can't not take Fedor in this. I don't think – I just don't think that Francis has really – I don't think he's reached his prime yet. I think he's on his way up. And uh-huh. I think the first stepping stone was the uh, the second Stipe fight. Um, Yeah, I think I have to go with Fedor just because in his prime, man, I mean, he was just – like horrifying, not that Francis isn't, but I think he was just more well tuned, more fight experience, more big fight experience with like mm-hmm. a lot crazier rules and shit like that, too. Uh, so I think I have to go Fedor, and uh, I don't know if I want to say, I, I don't want to say knockout, but I don't know. Yeah, I I think Fedor. I, I don't really know how he would get it done, but I just it's hard for me not to pick Fedor in on that one.
1: Okay. Okay. I like what you said. I think the important stuff is that um, Fedor has way better hand speed than Francis and especially in his prime. Like yeah. Fedor for a heavyweight was extremely, extremely quick. Um, of course, the elephant in the room is that it doesn't matter how fast you are. If Francis touches you once it's over. Right. Um, that being said, he moves so well for a guy at the heavyweight limit that I don't think that Francis would have an easy time catching him, mm. especially if you think back to the first Stipe fight, it felt like once Stipe got out of the first and second round, the, the fight was essentially a wash. Um, I think that Fedor Miljoneko would have the ability to get through those first two rounds. And then of course use offensive wrestling, which I don't believe Francis Ngannou is the best at defending, although we saw it in the second Stipe fight. Um, I, I think that it's a great fight either way, but I think Fedor eventually gets it done. I think he gets a decision win. But if Francis and is to win that fight, I think it's the obvious choice. He would nuke him, just like right. I, I'm thinking like of an right. Alistair Overeem esque uppercut Whoa. because he has, he has a size advantage. Because he has a size advantage on him, so I think that that's probably the best shot to um take him out. But but I'm not saying I'm picking that. I'm saying if he were to win the fight, it would go something right, like that. Right, 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 right. But I'm I'm essentially leaning towards Fedor, although, ah, but it we, it could go either way.
0: We do have a fucking we have a Francis submission. He does have one. When did Francis
1: get a submission?
0: I believe his second fight. I think he Kamora, Uh,
1: who was it? Oh wait, I, I'm picturing it now. Yeah, he has. You're a, right. It was back when he had the dreads. Yeah, or the cornrows. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think had- that was a, a more oh, frightening Francis when he had the corner. <laughs> when he his, actually looked like Predator. Dude, I can't believe, like, how much he's progressed through UFC. Like, his game has gotten so much better. Like We were talking yeah. about Benil you earlier, how, how much more well-rounded he's become. Francis Ngannou has blown me away with his progression. No oh, fuck um, that,
0: dude. Just from fight to fight.
1: Yeah. That, no that Francis
0: that came out against Steep. I was like, who the fuck is this? This is a terrifying. He would be already small hard, happened, happened, but like, yeah.
1: And he transitioned to the ground and pound. I was like, whoa. He this shot, is a huge yeah, improvement.
0: When he shot for that takedown, I was like, ah, and then he stopped it. And I was like, what? Like, I was like, he just
1: knows. Yeah. I was like, "Look, oh, pretty
0: good. And then he like, all and, of a sudden, just pounding on him. I was like, what the fuck is going on, man?
1: Yeah, imagine if Francis Ngato develops like a dominant ground game. It'd be insane. If he um, just
0: learns to stop the takedown like if it, i mean it looks like he does so it's like if he can just keep right. the fight where he wants it dude like good fucking luck
1: yeah the crutch of that though is cereal gone doesn't want to take you down anyway, so that that's right. a unique challenge for him coming yeah. up I, but I, I think that don't, from stand fight to, don't stand with francis but also Never. Cyril gone's not gonna try to take him down you don't think you so? No. i don't think so no i don't think cereal gone has that in his repertoire honestly mm. I don't, I, Cyril gone. I think the name of the game for Cyril gone is, and we'll get into this later, um, in a couple yeah. episodes when we preview 270. But I think the name of the game for Cyril is keep him at distance, uh, touch him up, win on points. Um, because nice. if yeah. you stand within, you know, toe to toe with Francis and I mean, it's, it's a foregone conclusion at that point. But right. um, back to... Reaper's at the door. Right, exactly. <laughs> but I think Francis has progressed so well. Um, mainly because he started MMA pretty late in life. I don't remember how old he was, but he wasn't particularly old when he started, and he had no other uh, background, I believe. Like, he just went straight into mixed martial arts. So yeah. we're seeing him finally fine-tune those parts of his game. Um, and I think that if we're to assume this next fight will be him in his prime, him versus Fedor is a great fight. And uh, I, I, I think that I'd slightly fear Fedor. But, yeah, yeah. It's just a fun thing to think about.
0: Hey, you know what? I mean, we're we're kind of rolling here. We're just at about an hour. We have a little more to go. I have a. I just this just popped into my head. This just popped in my head. I want to spring it on you. So this is a bonus fantasy fight for you, and we'll have one next week too.
1: Okay. I don't know Let's why.
0: Do I don't know why this just popped into my head, but it did. Prime Quinton Rampage Jackson versus <sighs> Yuri Prohaska. <laughs> Wait, what? It just popped into my head. I don't know why. <laughs> I, was How thinking, did that happen? I, I don't I, I was watching a video earlier about and Rampage was in it. And then I was just thinking of like I don't know why. I don't know. It just like popped maybe it was destiny. I have no idea.
1: But that's a tri- great fight.
0: Prime vintage prime rampage versus Yuri Prohaska. Okay. Like two thousand, two thousand two.
1: Yeah, yeah, BYU. yeah. Okay. I'm thinking Yuri Prochaska moves very, very well at 205. Yeah. Better than Rampage Jackson. I think Rampage is particularly flat-footed compared to Yuri, although I wouldn't say that that's fair assessment of him for his whole career. I think if you're just looking at that fight, like he's clearly got a, a full-work advantage there. Yep. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. The one part of Yuri's game, and the one reason that I can't favor Yuri over Glover Teixeira, which is the next fight coming up, allegedly, <laughs> is that Yuri Prochaska's ground game is... Um, his weakness, mm. and it's also unproven in the UFC. We haven't seen it yet, so I mm. think rampage. The name, the the game plan there would just be get him to the ground and try and control him there, um, and then maybe stand with him later in the fight when uh, Yuri Prachaska is tired out from being grappled for four rounds. Mm. But I, I think that rampage, if he's going strictly for the win, is just probably going to try and wrestle Yuri, and we'll see how that goes. I mean, he could be able to stuff a bunch of takedowns and surprise us, but. Man, I think on the feet, Yuri is a dangerous, dangerous striker. And although Rampage himself, especially in his prime, is a very hard hitter with really, really good hands, I don't think you want to play that game with Yuri regardless of what era you're in. So I think that he'd probably try and wrestle him. And I mean, hmm, I'm, I'm going to say Rampage Jackson takes that fight. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. And also, I never picked the guys in the eras before now. So there you go. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I think it's like –
0: Pretty much what you said. Like that's a very interesting point about the Yuri fight. Oh, can you imagine Glover Teixeira with a fucking title defense at the age of forty-two as well?
1: I think I think he could pull it off, man. I, I think really he could do. too, man.
0: Now that you're, I, I don't even know why I wasn't thinking it. I wasn't even thinking about the ground game. How good his, I mean, he's a black belt jujitsu, so it's.
1: Oh man, I think a lot of people are conscious of the fact that MMA is a very recency biased type of sport. Yeah, and so when Glover won. Everyone had the quick moment of saying, Oh, this is excellent. Like he's 42 and he won the bell, blah, blah, blah. This is a great moment for the sport. And then very quickly it changed to, Okay, but Yuri Prohaska is going to clean him up, right? Um, no, I don't think so at all. I think Yuri Prohaska is unproven on the ground. Like we've said, that's the one major critique of his game is that he doesn't have an excellent bottom game and takedown defense. Um, and I think Glover Teixeira is the guy to test him on that. And as the champion, I have a hard time seeing Yuri Brahaska taking him out. I mean, Glover Teixeira, not to say Yuri's not dangerous because he's the most dangerous striker at a 205 in my opinion. But yeah, I think so too. Glover, Glover Teixeira has seen the crazy guy who comes out uh, throwing everything that he's got at him. He's been rocked early in fights and gone people to the ground. He's been there, done that, seen that. He's too experienced for that. And I think that he has the mindset, the tools, and his repertoire and the game plan to beat Yuri Brahaska. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm trying to think like Yuri is such a yeah, because even I was saying it. I was like, this is a number one contender fight, this championship belt or this championship belt between um Glover and uh oh why is he blanking? Why am I blanking? Uh, yeah. Um I think like, this is just a number one contender to see who gets executed by fucking Yuri after this. But now uh now that you bring up the ground game, man, it's like I could, I could totally see Glover. Just, like, keeping the distance, shooting, taking him down a bunch of times, and just kind of holding him. Maybe not, like, the most exciting Mm -hmm. fight, but, like, just dominating him on the ground, or even tapping him out, maybe. But then I don't, I really don't see Yuri tapping him. I can see him snapping his arm to the fucking 180, and like, Kamora or something, because, like, I I can't picture Yuri Perhaska tapping to anything. Uh, He's just such a psycho. But, oh, man, like, how fun is this fucking light heavyweight going to be when If like because Glover, how long is he gonna fight? And once it's open, of like now we're getting like the dominic oh, we already have that fight. But like once Yuri has this chance to really go with some of these guys that like to stand and bank, like holy shit, man. He's only had what this will be his third fight, and it's gonna be for the title.
1: I think so. Yeah, they really did fast track him.
0: Yeah, because where did he come from? Did he come from Glory? Or no, uh not Glory? No, he
1: he was in MMA. I don't remember what the promotion was before.
0: I can't remember. I can't remember. It was yeah. It was like a weirder promotion, but uh fuck, man. I mean, it's an exciting fight. What about this? The door that Rampage fucked up versus the cord that tore uh, to the <laughs> LCL. <home. laughs>
1: I'm taking the cord because apparently those doors are made out of egg crates, according to Dana. Like <laughs> that. I was not to say that Rampage doesn't hit hard, but I mean, I could have done that to that door. Oh but, wait, like, I had a good one, made, one that I. I, I that thing was that. made of cardboard.
0: Yeah gsp's drunk jujitsu partner versus ryan hall <laughs> <laughs> i
1: was like that was so, actually kind of interesting <laughs> dude i forget what that guy's name is um no, right. it's like it it's john it's john something yeah that guy's he's not a jujitsu guy he's a kickboxing or muay thai legend there's a yeah. video of this guy he is a drunk though by the way yeah. he does he have a on the, Bravo, uh, what's it called uh the on
0: Alter the alternate fighter. fighter when they brought yeah. him
1: in He's been drunk in fights. There's a video of him getting. <laughs> Dude, uh, you I, you have to look this up. He's getting carried to the ring by his um by his corner. Like he's got like one arm over one, one arm over the other, and he has like literally like the thousand yard stare. Like it was like the same look that you had in your eyes at the range the night before Thanksgiving. Like it's was just no one home. Hey
0: hey hey hey.
1: hey. Hey. I
0: think you were having much more fun than I was that night. Let's let's be careful what we say here,
1: right? Hey, that sound like me. That doesn't sound like me. Doesn't sound like me. Oh, you know? I don't know. But, but but anyways, he yeah, like he would just go in the ring and then like doesn't matter how messed up he was, he would just murder people. Like he would cut through people and you would see in that GSB clip at the uh, Ultimate Fighter, he uh it, it didn't matter. Like he would go 100% when he was drunk and the guys like couldn't get him off of him.
0: Like his name is Jean-Charles Shabowski.
1: Yeah, he is a legend in that era. Um, go check out some of his fights if you haven't.
0: I wish I could find I'm, I'm bummed this isn't just popping up right away.
1: You can find his uh walkout that I'm talking about on YouTube, like it's it's insane. Like he just gets carried to the ring and he wins. <laughs> what a fucking legend, dude! It's That's like unreal. it's like the re- it's like reverse left way, like he, he has to be carried to the ring first and then fight. Like it's it's crazy. Um,
0: okay, first off. This just popped too. This is how my brand works. How sick of a name is Rampage?
1: Well, I mean, it's his nickname. Like,
0: I know, but like that is like like all time nickname. There's some all time bad nicknames, dude. But like, like yeah, how Rampage good is Rampage? Like, Rampage is a sick, like, fitting name. Um, I want to see if you can. All right, I got a little test for you. I got a little test for you. Okay. Let's see how many you can get right. I'm gonna give you five. Let's see if you just some tough ones. Somewhat tough, somewhat Names? easy nicknames. And just see if okay. you can get them. Okay. Uh, let's go. I, I got to. Okay, ready? This one's great. The Dean of Mean.
1: The Dean of Mean? Yeah. Uh, Fighter
0: <laughs> back in, like, the 2010.
1: It's not Dean Thomas. That's not him. No. Nope. The Dean it's of That's the
0: Dean. only guy. Give me a hint. It rhymes. So, like, it's like the Dean of Mean, bang, bang, and it like rhymes.
1: I have no clue.
0: The Dean of Mean Keith Jardine.
1: <laughs> Keith <laughs> that's Jardine actually a good
0: was one. back in like the Chocoladel era ish.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know who that is. I just don't know his nickname, Dean of Mean.
0: The okay. Dean of Mean Keith Jardine. That's awesome. I love that one. Um, that's great. The Natural Born Killer.
1: Oh, well, that's fucking Carlos Condit.
0: Carlos Condit. All right,
1: just retired. Good just career.
0: retired. Congratulations. Uh, let's see the answer.
1: Oh my kind of god! Tough. I
0: didn't know this one until I saw it. his last fight. I didn't even notice this was his name. The
1: answer. I know it too. I it's
0: uh, it's blank. The answer blank.
1: I don't know. I wanted. It. It's not Nico Price, but he keeps popping up in my head. I don't. I no. forget what Nico is, but who's the answer?
0: Frankie Egger Oh fuck! Jesus Frankie the answer
1: Edgar. <laughs> yeah. Well, no one calls him the answer. No, <laughs> I know, but that, that's why <laughs> that's I said like, I
0: didn't even realize that. To uh, yeah, geez. whatever. He's the answer.
1: Has he always been the answer?
0: I believe so. Yeah.
1: I I legit sat in the arena a couple weeks ago and listened to his name get called out at full blast next to my head. He might not. maybe didn't. he doesn't come out as it sometimes, but I I. I've, I, like, I I didn't realize it, it until whenever. I have heard Frankie the answer Edgar before. Like that does ring a bell, but I I can't think of someone ever calling him the answer. This one's
0: a great one. Jeff scary nickname Nader.
1: <laughs> scary nickname is That's that what it actually the, yeah, is? Yeah,
0: Jeff scary nickname <laughs> Nader. Uh, okay, one. last one. I got This one's a great one. I want to see if you know. It. This is really going to test your ultimate fighter knowledge.
1: The notorious. No, the creepy okay. weasel. creepy weasel i didn't watch a lot of the ultimate fighter but i have heard this one before creepy weasel i do not know who is it
0: Stephen montgomery steven the creepy weasel montgomery he uh he had a seizure on the ultimate fighter trying to cut weight and got taken
1: off the show oh i remember this guy yeah Yeah, i've seen the clip of this but I, i never watched any of those seasons of the ultimate fighter for some reason that show just never interested me
0: that was a very fitting nickname he was a very odd looking guy you know i mean he looked like a creepy weasel
1: that's probably how he got the nickname, and if I'm being honest.
0: Right. Um, so let's take a look. I, I want to see if they've updated this at all. I don't think they have. Um, for this card coming up. Uh it, they have the main card ready to go. It doesn't look like they have a lot. I, I can't imagine the card is done here. I think I'm assuming around eight prelim fights before the five main event fights or main card fights. You're talking Uh, about this weekend? Yeah. Oh, no. Looks like they might have filled this up. Yeah. When we looked last weekend, it wasn't even close.
1: Yeah, Uh, now it is.
0: Okay, cool. Whoa, there's some names on the – oh, there's a couple, like – oh, yeah. Remember that guy, names? Uh, Let's (laughs) see. (laughs) Oh, they're showing them all. Okay, so maybe Google was wrong, and they put some of these guys on the main card that weren't on the main card. Darren Weeks. Okay. Um, do we have anything else we want to get to before we read this? I card? mean, do you have
1: a, another pick for this? I
0: don't. I'm still
1: rolling with Jimmy Crute. Uh, I
0: really you know like
1: what? Jimmy Crute, I really like think... pick for this one.
0: Oh, all mm-hmm. right. Here we go.
1: I am going to say Zagas Zumagulov. Mm. Zagas Zumagulov. He's a legit uh, flyweight. I think he's yeah. out of Kazakhstan. Yep, he um, is. He's an no, exceptional he's out of fighter. A, um...
0: Uh, no, he's not Kazakh.
1: Oh, it's is it? No, one. Yeah, it's the I, think you're right. I think you're right. Yes, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yep Kazakhstan. yep, Kazakhstan. Uh, anyways, he's a really good flyweight and he's taking on Manel Cape, who is a very, very good test. Mm-hmm. Although, I just think that uh, Zaga is underappreciated for his talent, so oh, I don't know what the line is. I don't gamble Zaga, myself at all, but Zaga's I think Zuma Gulov
0: opening at plus 200.
1: Oh, I like that. Plus 200. Uh, yeah, Manel Kop yeah. is a, a minus 250. Oh, yeah. I, I, w- I would say Hammer is August, in my opinion.
0: Wow. All right. In my opinion. Hammer, sure. At plus 200. Not bad. Why not? Right. Hey, why not? So you got Now you got Theo's bet at plus 200. Go. And then I'm still hammering Jimmy Crude at minus 190 versus Jamal Hill opening at plus 160. Uh, that is a light heavyweight thing. Uh, as we do, when we have a card coming up, this will be December 4th. And. This is not your typical free one. Uh, this is not your typical free fight night. This is going to be starting main card at 10 p.m., similar to a pay-per-view. Prelim start at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, your first fight on the card here, bantamweight belt, Louis Smolka versus Vince Morales. And then there's a welterweight bout here. Next fight, Alex Moreno versus the return of Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall on the card, hey, eh, Mickey? You're so fine. Heavyweight bout: Jared Vendera versus Zamat Murd. Zakonov. Zakonov? Yeah. Uh lightweight belt Claudio Poelos versus Chris Grootsmaker. Groots? Yeah, I think.
1: I think he got the first time. Yeah. Think,
0: Grootsmaker, is it? Yeah. Grootsmaker. <laughs> sure. He looks yeah, that, that's a crazy looking guy. He looks like uh, Clay Guida, honestly. He does look a little bit like the younger Clay Guida. Light heavyweight belt between Alonzo Menafield versus William Knight. That should be a very uh, a very good fight. Women's strawweight belt between Shane uh Cheyenne Limas versus Maui Martin. Welterweight fight between Jake Matthews and Jeremy Wells. And then Leo's uh, the, excuse me, Theo's guy here. Flyweight belt monocop versus Zalgas Zuma Zumagulov. Is that he said it? Zuma Gulav?
1: zaga zumagulov
0: cool then a middleweight belt is your our middleweight bout is your feature prelim maki petolo versus usko Todor todorovic i'm gonna say usko todorovic i think that d is silent i'm gonna guess sounds
1: right
0: yeah sure why not uh then the main card here first part of the main card brian barbarena welterweight versus darian weeks I'm um, assuming Darian Reese is making his debut here because he does not have a fighter picture. So, uh Middleweight belt, Brendan Allen versus Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis fighting on very short notice. He fought, what, two weeks ago? Yep,
1: by uh, UC 268.
0: Big upset there. He is plus 280 here, looking to keep the streak going. Another upset. Then we have a light heavyweight belt, Jimmy Crew number 13, versus Jamal Hill, number 14, respectively, light heavyweight. And, wow, here we go. Third fight – or. Fight before the co-main event, the legend, Clay Guida, lightweight versus Leonardo Santos. Clay Guida opening at plus 160, not too bad, versus minus 190 for Leonardo Santos. And, of course, your co-main event, lightweight belt, number 12th ranked Brad Riddell versus number 14th ranked Raphael Viziev. That should be a very, very, very good fight. And, of course, your main event here, bantamweight belt between number four ranked Rob Font versus number five ranked Jose Aldo Jr. So that will be... Ooh. Saturday, December 4th, 10 p.m. for the start of the main card, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the start of the prelims of the UFC Apex Center Small Cage in Las Vegas. Um, Theo, you want to plug all your shit, and then we'll wrap this up. All
1: right, so like we mentioned at the start, guys, Bellator 272 will be live from the Mohegan Sun Arena in Connecticut on Friday. You can watch it on the Showtime app, and if you want to see extended coverage of Bellator 272, Check out SevereMMA.com. Uh, we're going to be putting up a bunch of stuff, not as much as we have done in the past for other UFC um, UFC events, but uh, we'll have some stuff up there for that event. Uh, of course, check out SevereMMA.com for the leading source of news in Ireland for MMA uh, news. And if you like the In the Clinch podcast, check out the Severe MMA podcast on all platforms where podcasts are available.
0: Oh, yeah, fuck. We got to fucking come up with a new name, too. I Yeah,
1: we didn't do that. We'll brainstorm
0: yeah. some stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll put out a tweet attached to this. Uh, or I'll put it in the caption for this um, this episode when I tweet it out. And then we can hopefully get some suggestions. If we get some good ones. I'll put a poll out or something like that. Or we can brainstorm some. Put a poll out that way. Um, cool. So we will talk to you guys next week, next Tuesday. Uh, again, not sure what time. Hopefully getting it out next Tuesday. I'm not sure what my travel schedule is going to look like because I will be in Buffalo, New York for the Patri- Patriots game on Ooh. Monday. Super excited for that. And we're coming back on Tuesday. So hopefully not back too late. Uh, hopefully I'm not still drunk. And we'll figure it out then. So we will talk to you guys next week to recap Jose Allo Jr. versus Rob Farn.
1: Peace.